Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, we chose this one. This is episode 196, F9, Fourth Gear. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two, and this episode's brought to you by Jacob, number one in tubing systems. That's jacob-tubing.com. There's a system behind what Jacob does, top quality standards, outstanding innovative spirit, and an uncompromising choice of materials. If you need to vent gases from your underground lair, check out Jacob's Tubing. Well, shout out to Jacob's Tubing, and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. After the break, we'll be talking about F9 for the fourth time with Nico and Kevo. But Joe, extracurricular activities, what have you been up to since we last spoke? Actually, kind of a bit for, like, nothing. One was yesterday, it was $5 movie day. It was Tuesday. And um, we went to go see Old. Okay, okay. I don't know if you've been told, but there's a beach that makes you old. There is. It was, it was like you said, man, it was a lot of fun. Like, it wasn't anything crazy. You don't have to rush out to go see it. But, like, we really enjoyed it. It was fun. And for a $5 movie day in the theater, I was like, this is cool. Cool. Love Island finished, so that means, like, I will be... Have you watched F-Boy Island yet on HBO Max? No, we watched one episode, and then I paused, because Love Island's on... I, you to, I told you this, that Love Island's on, like five or six right. nights a week it's on the only reason i bring it up is because f boy island today just got renewed for season two and oh, i cool. told you about that because i like nikki glazer yes. i mean i'm never gonna watch that show yes but i like nikki glazer and i figured it's the kind of show you would watch i just saw it got renewed like an hour ago for season two so cool no More we F-Boy watched the first island. episode it looks it looks very juicy one episode was good i planned to watch it but i wanted love island to finish and it did and there was this couple that i really hated on love island that was like super like essentially like a third grade couple like they would just sit down with each other and be like we're so happy to be in this relationship like all day every day but never actually say anything of meaning to each other okay it would just be like oh man i'm having such a good time with you but they weren't doing anything and they weren't talking about anything they would just say this on loop to each other it was really weird that's over i watched the first episode of marvel's what if and that was pretty cool Episode two was out today. I like I like the first episode of What If more than anything any of the other series that they've done so far. Like I don't tenfold. think that that's yeah, that's not my opinion on this. <laughs> I don't I don't mind it. I like it because it's new content. I do like that they can get kind of wacky with the animation, which is something we talk about a lot, like with spy racers and stuff. You just have a lot more available to you, right? When you can animate everything, like anything can happen. Right. The ideas are cool, um, but it's just. It's something fun to kill time. That was so I, I enjoyed it. So you, you did, but you didn't really like it. Sounds like no, like it's it's cool and fun, but like because you're the kind of guy who's like my Captain America's a man. <laughs> no, not at all. That's that has nothing to do with it. It was just like oh, this is a cool fun idea, but like one episode of a fun idea is like okay, cool. Well, season or episode two is what if T'Challa was Star Lord? That sounds very interesting. The thing that I like about Marvel is it's one long story, right? Well, so that what I like about this explicitly is that it's not that I know because so this and is that's what, why yes. and that's the issue that I've been having with the other stuff that you're okay with waiting, and I'm just like this is never going to connect. This is just what this is. And I love that about it. And that's fair. And like, if you feel that way, that's great. The thing that I do love about Marvel is it's just like all one long ass story with different pieces. That that's the enjoyment part of the enjoyment of it for me. So in that sense, that's why I'm like, oh, but like I get the whole multiverse thing, and like it's fun to think about these different things, and it's cool that they're giving that like these are thoughts and they sound like stoned arguments you'd have with your friends. Like, what if 
Captain America was not from America, you know, and you're like, oh, fuck, like this kind of thing. Yeah, I think I think it's largely adaptations of like comics that existed. Yeah. Although, so what? one thing I did learn from uh, X's for Podcast, Nico's podcast uh, about the Xbox, X-Men comics is that there's a Captain Britain too. And there's like yeah. a whole spinoff there. And so like, it, you know, one thing, one thing I saw was like, why couldn't Peggy just be Captain Britain? Like she's basically exactly. playing kind yeah. of Captain Britain. Like she's Captain America, but like with the British... Look, I don't know, but uh, yeah, no, I, I loved it. I thought it was, you know, I just, I was very into it. Cool. Yeah, that's something that if you like Marvel stuff, it's an interesting watch. Rachel and I are going to watch the next one. I like the ideas of them, but in practice. Also, like animation, I'm not a big animation guy, but like I'm so conditioned to watch like live action Marvel shit now that like animated stuff, I'm like, eh. Like Into the Spider-Verse, I love, but like these, I'm like, oh, okay. You love Cars more than <gasps> Fast and Furious. Cars like like Kachow. Lady McQueen, Kachow. Yeah. yeah. They actually just put out yesterday a trailer. Yesterday, as we're recording this, uh, called for this thing called Star Wars Visions, which is basically a Japanese take on Star Wars, and Ooh. it's like anime, like Miyazaki kind of style, and it yeah. looks awesome. It looks <laughs> so good. I, I that sounds fun. I bet it probably is really fun. And there are two versions of the trailer. There is the dubbed version, which I'm sure you will watch if you watch the trailer. And yeah. There's a sub, or, no, there's a sub version. Yeah, subbed and dubbed. Yeah, and I you will watch dubbed, then I watch a sub. I, I don't think the other one was out when I saw this, but I was just like, what is this? Like, like ooh, always this is, dubbed. This looks this always looks dubs. great. Well, I mean, in classic things nowadays, I'd rather I'd prefer subs. Like if something's coming out now, but dubs are a blast. Um, and last thing that I've been up to was. You know the whole saga of this, but for the past couple weeks, my dishwasher has been a pain in the dick. There was water pooled in the bottom of my dishwasher. So, like, we took it all apart. We cleaned everything. Didn't work. Unclogged it and, like, flushed it. And we were like, okay, cool. We probably fixed it. I mean, like, we took everything. Like, we pulled it out from the wall, disconnected all the water tubes, just everything. Cleaned every possible thing we could think of. Um, We're like, okay, cool. We fixed it. We put it back in. We run the dishwasher. Nothing got clean. So we're like, what the fuck? And so, like, we, like, did some more stuff, same shit. So we bought a new dishwasher. It came today. Um, we installed it, and I'm running the first load now, but it's really cool and, like, super fucking quiet compared to my other one that, like, I can't hear it, but it just has, like, it's a Samsung one, so it has, like, the little blue light that, like, shines on the countertop, and I right. can see that on, but, like, I can't hear it, and it's really freaking me out. That's the last of the things I was up to, and I will have some cool stuff next week for sure, but that's what I've been up to. What about you, brother? Cool. Um, I have basically like exclusively been watching movies. I cool. finally in the Bond updates, I've been watching those for like six months. And I yeah. feel like that's maybe a slight exaggeration, but also not really an exaggeration. Like I think it's, you know, there's like 25 of them. I've been doing one a week. Yeah. Uh, I am finally into the Daniel Craig ones. Thank God. And Casino Royale rules and Quantum of Solace is great. And I have two more because I watched two of those this week because I don't have you. I'm sure you have seen those or whatever. But you remember that like Quantum of Solace takes place immediately following Casino Royale. There's one of them that Rachel tried to get me to watch. And like I watched Casino Royale drunk in a theater in New York City when it came out. And I remember being like, oh, this was really awesome. But we were wasted. And like quantum of solace i think was the one that rachel was like this is an awesome movie and she kept trying to show me and like i kept falling asleep or something during it well so there there are two of the four so i think and i I might have this wrong because i'm not super strong on the bond history but i think everybody pretty much loves casino royale yeah and people love skyfall and then quantum of solace yeah quantum of solace is one that people are low on and then specter is a real mixed opinion because they tried to do this like whole like connected kind of like what fast and furious they were just like hey everybody's working for cypher like specter is like hey everything was actually connected to blofeld again and it's just like well i don't really care yeah uh, and that's what people i haven't seen that one yet i haven't seen i saw it once when it came out but i didn't have the history or whatever but yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so if it's one that was actually not good or in a lesser, it might have been either the second or the fourth one. But if it was the other, like, good one that she really loved, it it was probably Skyfall. I don't know. Like, the Daniel Craig ones, like, they're just, like, very soothing to me. And they just, like, put, they, like, lull me to sleep. I get that that's not a common thing. But, like, the intros are, like, always, like... And it's, like, the weird coloring that they use, too. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's it's kind of like a blue bluish hue. Well, every movie's blue now. All movies are blue now. Yeah, I guess. It has like this like bluish hue that like just triggers my brain into being like asleep. Well, they say yeah, blue I mean blue light is the is the medically it's what what's good for your brain for sleep, right? Or is it no is blue light bad? There, what does the blue, blue light, light mode filters. on iPhone do? Does it does it take blue out or does it only make things blue? I think it takes blue out. I think it takes blue out. So you're in reverse kind of. Blue is supposed to keep people awake and you and you put blue to sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah cuz I love like all like fluorescent lighting. Like Rachel would get really mad at me cuz like I like to buy like really blue light bulbs for the house because right. like I like very sterile lighting, but like I also work usually in like a hospital-ish setting, right? Right. So, like, my brain is conditioned to this. And, like, yellow lighting feels, like, kind of dirty to me. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, too warm. And I want, like, sterile, clean feeling. There is a feeling that I have of, like, just, like, remembering, like, the light of my childhood, basically. And, like, it feels softer. Like, everything now is LED. And it just, it's harsher than, in my brain, like, the memory of, like, what light used to be yes. like or whatever. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's, like, everything was, like, really warm yeah. and, like, very yellow. I want all blue sterile light everywhere in my house. I get you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I have two more Bond movies, which is great. I also, I was going to start after Bond because there's another podcast called With Gorley and Rust. So there was, and somebody wrote in about this. So James Bonding is a podcast that Matt Gorley hosts yes. with Matt Myra, which we talked about, which yes. I haven't listened to and I'm not going to. But yes. Matt Gorley, who I love from a bunch of different podcasts, he and Paul Rust, who's an actor and a comedian, they have one that started with Friday the 13th movies, then they did Halloween, then they oh, did cool. Nightmare. And then Alien, and then just kind of, like, random stuff. And now they're doing shark movies. If you think our episodes are long, uh, these are real long. Because I think, like, even James Bonding were super long, too. But, like, these, like, the first, (laughs) this is also very, you know, what we would do. But, like, their intro, like, their, hey, we're just going to rank the movies and whatever, was 90 minutes. So, like, we're just going to be 15 minutes. It was 90 minutes. And then each of the movies, each of the episodes, like, two and a half or whatever hour. Like, it's they're they're long-ass episodes. Is it because they do a ton of research or are they just bullshit? No, they just talk. They just go slow. I think it's just one of those, like, we're never going to talk about this movie again. Like, let's just make sure that we cover everything we want to do. And I, cool. they, do, they do research, but it's not, like, you know, just them talking about the movies. Um, so I was going to do the Friday the 13th and go from there after Bond. But I was just like, you know, I don't have any other podcasts that I'm catching up on. And I kind of just really want to start watching these. So, like, let me just start. So I watched the first one last week. I'm going to watch the second one. What, that's Friday the, the thing. 13th? Yes. Because that – so – after so Wednesdays are a very long day because we record usually for two two and a half hours and then I yeah. also do the crossword puzzle two crossword puzzles with a friend of the show Melissa Lynham every Wednesday night we do Wednesday puzzle and Thursday puzzle and so I'm just drained on Wednesdays and I'm like what can I do on Wednesdays because I want to watch like a movie or whatever just like sort of like turn my brain I'm like oh like a horror movie even if one I haven't seen it's not like it requires like it's not like subtitled or like a new yep. release or yep. an art film I'm just I like, get it this is kind of so I'm now doing those I'm like oh I don't have a thing like I don't have a movie to watch watch on Wednesdays, so, you know, I'm going to watch the Friday. So I'm watching part two tonight. Cool. So I'm going to work my fun. way through those. We also, in terms of movies, we did an episode of Zack Attack, you and I. We did. Uh, last week, we did the new release 15 months ago, Scoob, uh, the Scooby-Doo adaptation. Which is animated. So, <laughs> yes. The way that I described it on our Twitter, on Too Fast, Too Forever, is instead of having cute boy stuff, cute boy talk in your Fast and Furious, it's just Fast and Furious talk in your cute boy talk. Which is essentially what it was, yeah. Yeah. 
it's so much Fast and Furious talk and comparisons and everything like that. Just, like, we didn't want to. It's just, it's hard not to, right? It's hard so, to turn your brain off of it, yeah. Unless, like, we go on tangents about light bulbs. Pretty much I'm always thinking about Fast and the Furious when I'm talking to you here. So. Right. So hopefully, 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 people from over there come over here. If you want more, because, again, the same pitch we made over there, we'll make here. It's the same show. It's a different movie. It's the same show. <laughs> the so same if you show, want dude. just more of us, there's another episode that we did last week of Scoob over on the Zack Attack episode of Feed. So go do that. And then I watched a ton of new releases. So I watched, there is a new weekly, not short, but like an hour. This one, the first one was like 70 minutes. There's a second one out today or yesterday. Uh, The series called Untold. It's kind of like 30 for 30, I think, but it's on Netflix. And last week's was about, was called Malice at the Palace. It was about the fight between the Pistons and the Pacers. Yeah, I just saw this and I told, like, Rachel doesn't really have a lot of, like, sports context into this stuff, but I'm, like, whenever we start watching, like, The Last Dance or anything like that, she always gets, like, really into it. So I was like, oh, we should check this out. So you watch the Malice at the Palace one? Yeah, I mean, it's it's only, it's not like it's an ongoing thing. It's just, like, a it's one-off. An hour, and there's, yeah. a, there's a new one that's about, I think, a female boxer, maybe? I think there's going to be five in total. I haven't watched the new one yet, but this one is great. It's really, really good. It's one of those things that, like, even if you're a cat, like, I don't, if you're yeah. not a sports fan, you might have heard about it, because I think it was everywhere, but, like, if you're at all a sports fan, even if you're not a basketball fan, like you will remember where you were because it was crazy. Yeah. And yeah. this really kind of changes sort of the perception of like what actually happened. And it does like what The Last Dance did, where it's setting up that night through like the Pacers and Reggie Miller and then like building what was going to be probably a championship winning team. Yeah. And then this night happened. Yeah. And it's really, really good. So if you care about sports or basketball or just documentaries and you don't mind sports documentaries, on Netflix, the series called Untold and Malice of the Palace is great. Cool. That makes me want to watch it more. Yes, cool. Definitely Thank watch you. it. Then on Saturday, I went to the theaters and I saw two new movies. I saw Free Guy, which I will happy to report is fun. So I watched Free Guy at home. And then that night I watched Space Jam, A New Legacy. And they're both video game movies. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because Space Jam, well, I haven't seen Free Guy, but I saw Space Jam. And yeah, it's a new Space Jam, but essentially built around a video game. Well, because it's, yeah, LeBron's son codes a basketball video game where it's yep. not like, quote unquote, real basketball. And LeBron gets mad because he wants his son to be a basketball player, not a yep. coder or whatever. But it's also not, quote unquote, real basketball. And then they play the game in the game, right? So yes. that <laughs> and Free Guy are very, very similar in that they're like, IP crossovers. I can see why people hate it, and I don't care. It's it's fun. What? It's what just enjoyable. I, I can't see why people hate it. Like, what what is I don't know. I don't know. So, so I will put him on blast because he doesn't listen to these shows, but Mike Manzi said, like, Space Jam 2 was, like, an unwatchable mess, like an IP extravaganza, and I'm like, how do you not love seeing, like, Granny as Trinity in the Matrix? Like, it's so yeah. dumb and weird. It's cool. And, like, A Clockwork Orange in the background yeah. and, like, Harry Potter and, like, all this stuff. It's, like, it's not like they were in the forefront of the movie. They just, like, come through and passing so quickly. It's, like, oh, that's a cool thing. And then you yeah, keep and, going. like, when I was a kid and I had, like, way too many action figures, like, what I would do is that they would all just get together in, like, a big battle, right? And yeah! Everything, everything yeah. Like, this is exactly what, like, nine-year-old me would love. <laughs> like, oh, all of my favorite movies in one movie? Yes! Yeah, absolutely. And then they play basketball with LeBron James. Yeah, and you're like, what yeah. the fuck? This Who is was my crazy. favorite basketball player of all time? Like, it's like, yeah, what, why would I not love this? And like, <laughs> it's not an original, really an original movie because it's basically the same as Space Jam 1, but who cares? Yes. It's what fun. do you expect? That's what, I, that's what I was trying to say. I was like, if like I had to write a new Space Jam, I couldn't write anything better than that. Like, that's like, that's it. Like, it's like a little bit new, a little bit technology. You get LeBron James instead, like, and it's the same movie. Yep. 
Yeah, that's it's it. crazy. And so Free Guy, there is a thing at the end because Free Guy was made by Fox before Fox was bought by Disney, and then Disney bought Fox, and I think they because re- it got delayed four times due to the pandemic and other stuff yeah, and yeah, whatever. Yeah. And so there's a thing that happens at the end that's a crossover that is either like I think is really cool, but. I've seen like allusions to it where just like, here's how that happened, or people don't like this one thing. I'm just like, who? Because it, it feels like a thing that would happen in like Fortnite. Like, there's a thing that happens, and it's like, oh, of course, like that's just like just crossover things, like synergy yep. and whatever. Yep. yep. Uh, I don't mind that. There's also like a ton of like, I think if you're not like super, like, because it's that's really about video games, because like it's a not, and Ryan Reynolds is an NPC, a non playable character who realizes he's in the game, right? Because yes, Jodie yes, Comer, yes. who plays Villanelle on Killing Eve, and she's amazing on that show is this, you know, they call the sunglass people because they're like, that's how you, like, see the world. And so she comes in and they kind of, like, you know, she's his dream girl. And so she kind of, like, snaps him into reality, whatever. It's a whole thing. Yes, yeah, basically. Out of the Matrix, yeah. But there's a there's another there's a thing going behind the scenes there and everything. It's 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 fun. Like it's not a great movie, but if you like Space Jam, you're gonna like this. If you like video game movies, there's also a lot of Twitch streamers like Ninjas in there and Pokimane. She's oh, in there too. And like, that's cool. there's a bunch of people like doing like real commentary on like because this is like a global sensation or whatever. But I will say, I'm not gonna spoil the big one because no. there's one that like there's a bunch of cameos in this movie. There's one that's really more than a cameo. Like this one that's kind of like a small part that is of particular note to you and me, which I will not spoil for you. But apparently, somewhere also, The Rock is in the movie. That Ryan Reynolds like pulled a lot of strings to get these cameos. The, these characters all play avatars, so it's like you see like a dumpy kid or like a little girl or whatever, and they're actually just playing like this huge muscle bound whatever, right? Obviously. And like yeah, Jodie Comer from Bill, Killing yeah. Eve plays herself, right? It, it, it's Jumanji, right? Like it's exactly, yeah. it's oh my god, I'm it's a girl. Jumanji, or Ready yes. Player One, whatever you want to yep. do, every all exactly. Yep. One of them, you see, like you see the, somebody who is of particular note to us, uh, which I will not go further because that okay. sort of narrows it down. But you'll you'll see when you see it. Like, you see him very early in the movie, and I'm like, oh, that's a cool cameo or whatever. And then he comes back in a way, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And, like, that was super cool. But then, so there's, like, a handful of cameos, and I don't know where The Rock is, but he's credited on IMDb just as Avatar. So I'm sure he's just, like, a sunglass guy that you see, like, rob a bank. Because, like, Ryan Reynolds' character in the movie is a bank teller, and his bank, because it's basically based on Grand Theft Auto Online. So, like, there are missions where, like rob this bank or whatever and so like every day or three times a day or four times a day or whatever the bank gets robbed (laughs) and so i think the rock is probably like in a scene and i knew he was in it because i'd seen it seen his name but i didn't see him because he's probably on screen for like a second but there's one that is like this is so cool like it's so it's amazing so again free eye not gonna win oscars but it's fun and if you don't like it who gives a shit? Like just I love watch fun it. movies, yeah. man. I'm the one who's always like pitching that there's movies that are just fun. Like if you turn your brain off, there's a lot of like movies that nowadays we said like movies are made so much better nowadays. That, like a lot of them, like even like bad ones, are a lot better than the shit we used to get. So just like they're pretty fun. So I will say your next five dollar movie night, if you want to go, I would say see Free Guy because I think it's I think you guys will like it, and cool. there is something in particular that you'll really like about it. I'm definitely going to watch it. I don't know if it'll be – well, because what else is out? Like, uh, Don't Breathe 2 is coming out. Yeah, which out. I also saw. I didn't like the first one. I don't exactly know why I saw th- – I, I mean, I know why I saw the second one. I have reasons. I don't need to explain it here. They're not good reasons, but I saw it. It's hard to root for literally anyone in this movie. Yeah. And I don't know who you're supposed to root for because, like – 
you saw the first Don't Breathe, is that right? Yeah. So spoilers for Don't Breathe, the first one, if you have not seen it yet. You know how, like, they rob this guy's house, and you're like, the this guy's guy. a victim, he's, a, he's an old blind man, whatever. Yeah. And then you find out his basement is a torture dungeon where he's raping young women to, like, raise, grow children that he can, like, have or whatever, right? Like, it's, like, this <laughs> completely fucked up thing. It's like, oh, my God, fuck this guy or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy is the hero of the second movie. Hey, spoilers! No, 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 no. He's the central character. Like, he's on every poster. He's just, like, the movie follows him. <laughs> Like, it's not a surprise. Like, it's just, like, he has a young girl with him, and then, like, people come. It's, like, the sins of his past are following. But the movie is about him as the protagonist. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want to root for him, because I know what he did. <laughs> and then you're not supposed to root for the bad guys, because they're bad guys, but you're also supposed to root for them because, like, they're killing. But, like, I'm like, this is so fucking dumb. I it's literally know what so you did dumb. last summer. And But it's also not tied at all to the first movie. Oh, so, interesting. Like, the first movie, yeah, that's why it's it's so dumb. Don't see Don't Breathe 2. It's bad. It's better <laughs> in some ways because it's less icky in certain ways. Yeah. And there's kind of good action and stuff, but, like, it's Well, there's bad. that, and there's, like, Escape Room 2 coming out. Yeah, I mean, those are the kind of movies, like, if you're going to see them, fine. Don't see them in theaters. Just wait for them but to be, like, on HBO Max night. or something. These are, like, the best $5. Like, Unfriended is, like, one of my favorite, like... Well, I I only watch game. Unfriended on laptops. I will only watch yes, those on MacBooks right. yeah, yeah, because right. I think that's how they're meant to be seen. Like I saw Searching on a big screen. Like it all takes place on the MacBook. I'm like, this is dumb. I want to watch this on my laptop. So yeah, uh, makes sense. I get it. Don't Breathe Two is bad. Free Guy, a blast. So cool. I would say see Free Guy. And then this week there's a couple like terribly titled movies that like I want to see. Like Reminiscence seems okay. That's, that's the that's the fucking Strange Days remake. Yes, 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 yes. It's just Strange Days. But yes. with Hugh Jackman, and he's he's mm-hmm. all over the fucking morning news. Whenever I turn on whatever one, I, I forget. Rachel always yells at me because I say the wrong one. But like Good Morning America, USA, whatever the first, whatever yeah. one I watch is the, he was all over the TV this morning pitching reminiscence again. So that's out, which is a terrible title. The Protege, the Maggie Q action movie is coming out. That's a terrible title. And there's a third movie that's like also a terrible title. Like I don't know. Like I'm gonna see at some point, right? Like probably. Yeah, in the, I'm gonna I see Reminiscence because it's Strange right. Days. So yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, better titles, I guess. I mean, Free Guy. So Free Guy is also apparently like it used to be like it's old slang for like a one up. It's like oh, I got a free guy or whatever. But like, oh. it's nobody calls that anymore. It's just it's it's whatever. But see the movie. I I liked it. So thank you to Ryan Reynolds to uh, lock himself. Yeah. I guess you kind of unlocked that in my brain. I don't know. Oh, you know, I didn't. I didn't catch it. I I heard. I read a thing that was just like this is like antiquated, like bad slang or something. Not bad slang. What did we used to say when you get like another, like you got a you got another guy, another life, just like another free life, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Another Mario. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Did I do anything else of actual note? I just. I've literally just been watching things. That's cool. I think that's it. Yeah. Nice. We have a Patreon page, Too Fast, TooForever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleiman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden, Renato DiDonato, Michael McGann, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Thank you all so much for supporting us the $5 a month level or above. If you want to get bonus episodes, early access, undying love and affection, anything you want, anything your heart desires, too fast to forever.com please and thank you yes thank we have an email you. address family at cageclub.me we got two emails today joe both from jenny so she's not written in about awesome. zach attack i don't think but what she sends in two emails here what a surprise one of these has a multimedia component which i'm going to send to you right now on facebook subject line close encounters hi guys 
Just want to share a picture with you. I ran into The Rock today. He was just standing on the corner in Applebee, so I asked my mom to take a picture of us. Guess he's hawking tequila now. Later, Jenny. Oh, so it's Jenny with like a nice big cardboard cutout of The Rock. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yes. And he's... someone truly disrespected him by blacking out one of his teeth. Yeah, making it look like he got a missing tooth there. What is that about, guys? He still looks handsome, though. I, mean, I have a feeling, Jenny, Jenny, I have a feeling in real life that you're not almost as tall as The Rock. I was saying, she's going toe-to-toe with a great one. You know, what's that What's that on, on Nate's thing? Also, yeah. happy birthday to Nate Milton. Nate just had a birthday recently. Happy but birthday, Nate. Toe-to-toe with a great one, right? Yeah, like, Jenny, like, you know, she's almost as tall as him here, and, you know, I, I would be intimidated. She's, you know, especially with the blacked-out tooth, you could think that Jenny knocked his tooth out, you know what I mean? So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, very cool find. Thank you very for that, cool Jenny. I have find. a picture Thank of me you. and Danny DeVito hawking his alcohol at a restaurant in one DC. Time, so we got a giant Gordon Ramsay from like one of these places and like Ooh. brought it home for my dad. Like we were like, Can we have this thing? Like my dad loves Gordon Ramsay and my and the lady was like, Yeah, we just throw him away. So like if you cool. ever see one of these things and you're like, I kinda want that, like if nobody else at the store like called dibs on it, they'll just yep. give it to you. So Yeah. Whenever, like, the promo's done or, like, you know, whenever they get rid of it, they're just like, yeah, whatever, fuck it, take it. Usually at movie theaters, though, like, those things all get claimed by, because it's all movie nerds, whatever. Exactly, You know, they're all like, uh, like, I would love, I mean, I don't know where I would put it, but, like, I would love, like, a huge F9, like, IMAX poster, like, one of those big cardboard cutouts, but, like, those are all, like easily claimed but yeah the the standoff like just out of, like a, a waitress isn't gonna want this fucking cut out of the rock liquor like, store like the dude yeah. at the liquor store he doesn't want to put this anywhere in his house or something exactly yeah. and the other email jenny sent in is subject line food all over the place hi, hi guys just finished lunch previously frozen coconut curry chicken bland but i tried it and i looked Ooh. down at my shirt and said oh my god food all over the place that phrase <laughs> just popped out of nowhere it wasn't really all over the place <laughs> Just three spots, but I was surprised my reaction. Thought you get a kick out of it sitting here at work, so I, th- I better get back to it later, Jenny. That is great. I mean, I don't know if I'm really glad that spilling stuff on yourself made you think of us, but I'm glad you were thinking of us. I'm sorry you spilled stuff on yourself. Yeah. But yeah, that's hilarious that you were just. <laughs> and that's all the emails for today. Family at Thank cageclub.me if you want to send an email. Let us know what you're up to. Let us know what you're watching. We've got news, though, about the Fast and Furious on the we streets, do. and there is big, big news. Go ahead. Spy Racer's out now. Just kidding. I mean, that is, <laughs> that is true. Spy Racer Season 6 out next week. <laughs> and we have a we have a, the, the date scheduled to talk to Nico and Kevo again about <laughs> Spy Racer, so that'll be the next episode. But the actual big news, April 7th, 2023, F10 in theaters. That's the two-year mark. Mm-hmm. But we didn't get a Hobbs and Shaw 2 date yet. Which blows my one and one out of the water. I mean, we could still, although we are, mm, we're a little far for it, dude. We're we're a little bit down the road. Yeah, and all roads do lead home. I don't they know. Do. Like the only movie I could conceivably see, the only Fast and Furious movie I could conceivably see that would happen between now and no. F ten would be no. Hobbs and Shaw two. Right? Yes, yes. And okay, I thought you were saying like, yeah, that's the only possible one because it was greenlit already. I mean, obviously, we knew we were going to get ten and eleven of these forever, but. Hobbs and Shot 2 was greenlit, so I was thinking maybe they were going to do, like, summer, 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 and just get on this, like, one-a-summer kind of track, but I don't think it's possible now. If in the next couple months, like, hey, it's out in August, like, I can see that, but, like, I think we're too close, because the other thing, and we've talked about this on here before, is these studios, like, claim weekends, and if there's... 
You know, yes, if there's yes. anything else that kind of like family action sort of fun, Hobbs and Shaw 2 would not go against that because it's vying for the same audience. And like the next week and the previous weekend, whatever, if those are free, sure. But you need to find a weekend like in peak movie going time. And also August is traditionally like a very slow month. Like Free Guy really, especially in the pandemic now, really kind of exceeded expectations with how well it did. August is not usually a great time. Like I think Jen, I think what Les Hobbs and Shaw came out like in June, I want to say. So... Yeah, it's usually, they're usually like end of May, May, June. That's usually when they I think are. I think the new goal for Fast and Furious is April, because that was what F9 was supposed to be, and that's what this new one's going to be. No, it was but... May 1st, and then April after the pandemic. It was going to be like May, I thought. Maybe? And then it was April, and then it got pushed back to actual May again? Yes. I don't know. I don't know. The either. other thing about F9 is that the 4K special features disc the disc the special features on the disc the 4k disc were detailed there's gonna be a justin link commentary there's gonna be a justice for han segment there's gonna be some more stuff for cardi b cars there's a john cena cars segment about a supercar super fan i think that i feel like we saw like clips of that like they use that promotionally before the movie yes 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 they used it in the f9 promos they said it but it was only like a minute long this was like a couple minutes long so okay I'm still waiting to see, we're both waiting to see how many extra minutes of footage will be added to the director's cut. Again, based on what Vivek said, Vivek said and based on j- just how these movies have been going, I don't think there's going to be a ton. Also, I don't think deleted scenes were listed either, right? Like, it's just, it's no. a bunch of featurettes and stuff. Bonus material. To, there was like, oh, there was another, what, like an hour of bloopers or 30 minutes of bloopers yeah. too, which we never went through the bloopers yet, so. I don't think I've watched those for any movie ever. They're never very funny. But man, do they have a good time making those movies. Um, like even the even the bloopers for like Will Ferrell movies, all the jokes are ad-libbed, right? Like all the like one-liner type situations. Like so he runs through like 20 of things that he could say, mm-hmm. right? Like even the bloopers for those, like they're going to use the best one, right? Like yeah. that's the whole point. I've heard like one of those and I was like, oh, this is funny. But for the most part, it's like... Right. Yeah. You know, we'll see what the disc holds and we'll cover stuff eventually, but I'm still waiting to see. And that's coming out. When do we? F9 4K, September 21st, a month from now. So oh, cool. soon. Nice, soon, soon, yeah. soon. Soon, soon, you're a balloon. Any other news that you have seen? No, nothing. Then the final thing to do before we take a break is the Fast and Furious Minute for Too Fast, Too Furious, Minute 23. Boy. A minute I called boy. Shut Up, Punk. Why did you come here, O'Connor? I got a deal for you. When I needed your ass, you were nowhere to be found. Are you trying to hand out deals? I need you to come to Miami and drive with me. If you do, they'll take off that anklet and they'll clear your entire record. I did three years in jail. Three years in jail over you, Brian. I know you better than you think. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. Guys, finish? This deal legit. That's right. If you do this job for us. Told you. Shut up, punk. So you're gonna clean my record and get this thing off my ankle. That's right. In this minute, Brian and Roman pant on the ground after their fight. Brian explains to Roman why he and Bilkin showed up. Roman explains why he still met up Brian because of the three years he spent in jail. Bilkins confirms the deal is real if Roman helps his record is cleaned. 
So two things of note here. One, we spent a lot of time last time talking about the geographical issue. Yes. But Roman saying here and Brian saying come to Miami don't actually answer any questions, right? It's not like, why did you come here to Barstow? Or why did you come here to Northern California or whatever, right? It just come here and come to Miami. So, you know, no real clarity there. And this is the second time in the franchise and also the second time in this movie that we get the do this job for us and you'll get your record wiped. Because they just pulled it on Brian. Do this, or you're going to go yeah. back to prison. Yeah. And now they're doing it on a Roman. Like, you know, you're on probation. You have a ankle monitor, whatever. Do this for us. So, like, this thing is going to become very well-tread territory in the future. Yes. We've now gotten twice in, like, six minutes. Yeah, that's true. Because we definitely get it so many more times throughout the franchise. Yeah. So it's cool to like see that, that this that's is That's the go-to. That's, that's the move. Yeah, that's normally – it's normally like, hey, remember that shitty thing you did? Well, we can make that go away if you do this other thing for us. And the other thing here is I don't want to pick on people for acting because they're all better actors than I am, and especially because Paul Walker is dead. But watching this on loop over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. There are a couple lines here. I got a deal for you, and then him getting up in Roman's face. And these are difficult to watch over and over again. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before. We talked about this when we watched like the the Paul Walker memorial movie. I am Paul Walker. Yeah. I am Paul Walker. That I think that they were just having a lot of fun outside of this movie, and the movie just became like something that they were like. It was like going to work at an ice cream parlor together. Like they just kind of had to do it, so they'd show up, and then they would like go have actual fun. And sometimes it works. Sometimes I think they're hungover. This whole fight scene that just occurred. There's a lot of like you. St- you, you punch like shit, you punch like shit. You know, like, there was, like, a lot of that going on. So, yeah, this wasn't his finest moments. I agree. I also do wonder if, just like us right now, if he's just like, we got to get out of the scene, nothing is happening. Let's just, you know, go to another location. I'm all sandy. I don't want to be here. Yep, it's hot. It's probably, like, yeah. it looks like it's deserty, right? Yep. So, like, even wherever they're shooting it, it looks like it's hot. And if you were out boozing with Tyrese all night... You're kind of hungover. Now you have to do like a pretend fight scene in the heat. I'd be like, I'm probably going to vomit. Like, this yeah. is gross. I think the answer is no, but is there anything of note, anything new that you noticed in this minute? So, <laughs> you gave me a fair warning about this. We've now been outside of this trailer for like three or four minutes. Yep. We've covered everything in the background of this area. Mm-hmm. But I did notice something cool that carries over to the next minute for like 0.2 seconds. But I think we should address it here because we changed scenes. On Roman's trailer, instead of having a doorknob, he just has a chain. Oh, okay. The doorknob is missing. There's just a chain that runs from the inside of the door down the front of the side of the Winnebago. Yeah. And he uses that. He grabs it when he's walking in in the beginning of the next minute. I skipped ahead just a tad, guys. We don't see him open the door, but he like grabs it. And like as he starts to pull, then we change scenes. So I think okay, that's yeah, very. Okay, yeah, he does yank that, and I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if that door just didn't open. They're like, yeah, we can't show him actually getting in because like it doesn't open because like how is that's this not how work a mechanically? door works. Yeah. yeah, a knob like turns the fucking latch thing. So I, what's is there a word for that? The Clasp? Like, maybe I don't know. No, I know what you're talking about. I don't know. The, I don't know. The, I don't know. There definitely has to be a specific word for that. If you're a smarter person than both of us. And you know the word for that? Please I wouldn't say in. a smarter person. If you're just, I, I feel like there's something that like Justin would know because like he probably yes. he's like more handy, right? Like there's different kind of intelligence. I'm not saying that we're dumb. So you're saying Justin's dumb, but he might know the answer. Is what you're trying to say? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, sorry, Justin. Okay. Uh, 
<laughs> Justin's off dicking around in Spain right now. I know. His I pictures know. are fucking awesome. By the way, I can't wait till Justin writes back in so we can gush about this. But Justin, I've been seeing all your pictures in Spain. They look fucking great. You and Hank and uh, Vonnie look like you're having a great time. Is he eating those snails? I didn't see any snail pictures yet. Lots of like like fucking beaches and like fountains and like but food tons of food cheeses but yeah okay anyways if you know the name of this this latch clasp whatever it's called please let us know but yes that's not how the door fucking works he just like pulls the chain so like he has this trailer that's out there and it's like never locked because you can't lock it but it's his house but he opens it with a chain. Anyways, I find the chain as a door handle thing very fascinating, and I think that that was the most fascinating part and something that I had never noticed in the movie before. And um, I think that maybe the minute question should address that. Yeah, because the, the question that I had, because I, again, I just didn't have an answer. I didn't yeah, have a question hard. is, what color is the trailer that Roman's living in outside the Demolition Derby? The answer is white with yellow trim. But I do like the idea of what's unusual or how do you want to ask this? Like, I guess the so, question is how, how, what, what are, what's a way that we could get four different answers that could seem I got right you. to whatever question. Okay. I liked your question, but the thing is that's kind of like the color scheme of any Winnebago that's from the eighties. So the answer is kind of easy. That's why I was feeling wishy-washy about it, but I agreed with you. I understood exactly why you came to this because there's really nothing else we haven't covered yet in this minute. I would like to phrase this as, what is like a unique feature about Roman's Winnebago? And I could say like, I was thinking maybe missing a tire, doesn't have an engine, has a chain for a doorknob, or like the windows are broken. You know what I mean? Like three, three, four, you could come up with a better one. I don't know which ones of those you like, if you like all of them. Like it's on cinder blocks. I was thinking like all these things, like like jokes, like it wouldn't move, but... Like, it has NOS, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many things. I don't know which ones you like and which ones you think are good answers. I'm trying to brainstorm for you a little bit, hopefully kicking you. What is unique about Roman's trailer outside the Demolition Derby? It has a chain in place of a doorknob. It has no tires. It has no engine. It has no windows. I don't like all the no's. Like, that, I think... Well, then we can say it has no doorknob. Oh! Boom. Because it does not have a doorknob. It has a chain instead of a doorknob. That is perfect. Wow. Much better. Thank you. You fixed the whole thing with reduction, not addition. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful machine. It's a beautiful machine. Was that better? You like that better? Did you yeah, yeah, just get yeah. strong-armed into that, right? And then I have this whole feedback, answer feedback thing, which I still don't know exactly how it works, but... Minute 23, shut up, punk. Question, what is unique about Roman's trailer outside the Demolition Derby? It has no doorknob, it has no tires, it has no engine, it has no windows. The answer is it has no doorknob. Yeah. Cool. Cool. That worked out better than I expected when we went into this. Of course. Just like every episode of this show, this is going to be a nightmare, and it turned out just fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. All right, let's take a break. Let's bring in Nico and Kevin and talk about F9. F9, colon, the Fast Saga, fourth gear. 
This episode is brought to you by Jacob's Number One in Tubing Systems. Other tubing systems are specifically produced for a project and welded together on site, but Jacob has come up with a far more efficient way. Standard modular parts with lipped ends are fitted with a U-shaped gasket and joined together with a pull ring. Shout out to Jacob's Tubing. Well, shout out to Jacob's Tubing, and welcome back to Too Fast, Too Forever. As teased, as promised, as guaranteed, and as delivered, we have with us the gentleman who joined us two laps ago, all lap long, the co-hosts of the Husbands Talking More or Less podcast. We have Kevin Reese and Nico Vassello. Hello, guys. Hello. Hey. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Welcome back. You know, it feels in so many ways, and you know, because here's the thing, here's the, here's, here's the motherfucker of it, right? I said to you... Hey, Joey, I'm Nico. I'm cool, and I want to be on your show. And you were like, okay. And I was like, okay, but I can't just be on something. I got to be on every minute of it. And you were like, (laughs) okay. And I was like, cool. And so now here I am. I don't use the word regret. Uh, If you want, you guys should look up Madonna's video for human nature. No (laughs) regrets. You know what I mean? I understand I asked for this, and now I'm living it. There's no regretting it. But, you know, I find myself on my fifth season of Spy Racers, on my ninth Fast and Furious, on my ninth Fast and Furious proper film, with, yep. you know, the, the spinoff under my belt, and a video game down, and some some soundtracks in there, and I gotta say, the universe is starting to feel a little thin. Well, you're you're all in though. I mean, that's the thing. Like, where you're, it, it's it's maybe feeling thin, but it also could go anywhere. Because while one door closes, and while we only have two more movies in the main franchise, there is no end to this content in sight. So maybe a new atmosphere know. opens. I, I do have to admit the the funniest part for me was when I got really confused because all of a sudden Dom has superpowers. Anyway, so later on in the movie, I I just need to share this now because if I don't get this out, I'm never going to get it out. But at one point, I got really confused because this car pulls up and I'm like, haha, it's Brian. Wait, how? I thought he was never going to come back again. And I was like, oh, wait, no, he's actually passed on. It's Dwayne The Rock Johnson and I think Jason Statham who won't come back. Okay, so then... Wait, how is that Brian? How is he there? Oh, wait, no, right. He didn't die in the movies. He died in real life. Because for a second, I was like, how did this happen? Is it like a ghost? Did they bring something back with them from space? (laughs) At one point, I was willing to believe that Dom was becoming the Venom symbiote between the freakish strength with the chains and that I thought Brian might be reanimated in the final scene. (laughs) So I agree with you. And disagree with you. But does that mean that you like this movie or you did not like this movie? Where do we where do we fall on F9? I think it's called F9 because it's the magic of threes. Okay? There are what? three separate movies starring three people each. But why is that the number nine? Because it's three movies starring three people. Three times three is nine. Uh, I didn't make okay, up numerology. No, Alan Moore in a bar with a cigar did. So he did. I super love Black Space Carnards. That is such an exciting little storyline. And, you know, I, I'm overwhelmed by how far Roman and Tej have come. Of course, I super love, I can't think, Ramsey. I was almost like, Ramsey. Goslin. Wait, no, ah. her name's not Goslin. That's a, that's a really fun movie, and it goes some really cool places. So then there's Charlie's Angels Rescue Bosley. That's Mia and Letty 
and I'm so sorry I missed the new young lady's name. L. No, okay. I didn't miss it. I just <laughs> thought I kept not hearing it right. Got it. So, and L, when they bring in a gorgeous, roughed-up-looking Han, uh, you know, that's that's such a good movie. I enjoy Charlie's Angels' Search for Bosley. It's a fun movie. <laughs> and then there's a third movie, sort of inexplicably... Dom is sundowning, imagining his son everywhere, when out of nowhere, he gets a weird sort of shoehorned in younger brother and racing circuit backstory. Fuck that. And for some reason, they have decided that the only thing that could make Cypher scarier than White Lady Predator Dreads was for some reason <laughs> a Prince Valiant bowl cut. Prince I've Adam. Never- it's this is it's bad. She looks like she's a member of the Mushroom Kingdom. She looks like a My Buddy doll. I hate oh, her so fucking God, much. Evo. I oh. retroactively it's the hate truth. other movies in this franchise <laughs> because of her. I cannot tell you how little Cipher does for me, which is so weird because Charlize is such a breathtaking actress in ability, scope, and magnitude, and. She could read a Chinese food menu like it was War and Peace, but she can't make Cypher interesting. But I hope that she keeps getting more and more terrible haircuts. Like in the next movie, I would really love a reverse <laughs> mohawk where it's the stripe down the middle. Uh, down the about, middle. What about an ombre mullet, but not in the direction you expect? <laughs> just down her face, just right to her nose. Dark toward the toward the uh, edges. Yeah. Uh, I really loved a third of this movie. I really liked a third of this movie. And I had limited interest in the further masturbatory hyperdramatization of the other story. I have a lot of theories on the only reason Jacob exists is because Brian wasn't around. Otherwise, I think... What the fuck? Yeah, you know, because I, I feel like... For a couple of years there, we had roller derby girls, and I feel like this is the driving equivalent of roller derby girls for boys. What's the equivalent? This franchise in general? The silly camp reintroduction of Dom and Jacob as teenagers, young 20-somethings, in what was a sort of strangely – because no, I did not feel that this movie was poorly made. I feel this movie was perhaps not made for me. But I don't believe this movie was poorly made. I think all of the choices were stylistically in line with the franchise, just perhaps not the elements of the franchise I like the most. Did you feel like previous movies had been made for you? Yes. Like, is this a new feeling? So this is a new feeling. Okay. I would have argued that this film was more made for you because this one feels the most like a Marvel film in how extreme the action sequences are and all of that sort of stuff. It feels the most like they are pushing the films towards superheroism so far of the bunch but it felt so generic in a really weird way because you know you said it's a marvel film well i believe mr mr sir we spent like 70 episodes proving there isn't a the marvel film formula there Mm. are dozens of marvel films i feel like we are sort of at a precipice of where action movies need to make a decision and I know which one he is, but I think this joke is really funny. And the Hobbs or Shaw appearance, whichever one it was, right, at the end of the movie, I loved how completely incongruous it was with Hobbs and Shaw the movie. Perhaps Deckard is a little bit more sick and fucked up than the sort of, 
I can't wait to learn your cultural war dance. Teach me to be like you, big brother. Moana. Like, that movie sort of softened Deckard a little too hard for me. Unbelievably so. And that was, you know, my, my main criticism of the film at the time. So seeing this movie cut to him, it's sort of like a Wolverine thing. Sometimes Wolverine is an uncanny X-Men and he's braiding Storm's hair and he's just like, fuck, I love this. And like... Sometimes Wolverine is in Wolverine Max and he's skewering spleens right the fuck out of your asshole. He's like, I love this. And so it's just two different versions of the same character. Justin Lin really did go out of his way to incorporate beautiful elements of who these characters are in a sort of nuanced single verse, not multiverse sense. But it's okay to treat even fictional sadistic serial killers as complex people i'm not saying humanize them i'm not saying like oh look sometimes he beats people up in body bags guys he's just like us <laughs> but i'm kind of like saying he has complex feelings he is a well-developed character that contains a multitude which is reflective of strong writing strong directing and a strong performance from a guy basically playing himself well, and to feed into that, too, think about his actions in the last Fast film that we got. <laughs> with the baby! With the baby, <laughs> and the headphones, yeah, absolutely. And then in this film, his brief appearance is him beating the crap out of a guy in a punching bag. I would also compare it to the Trejo character from the Spy Kids films. <laughs> where what is his he's from machete <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's there's the machete films but machete is also a character in spy kids who's uncle machete and you're so silly uncle machete those people sometimes turn around and they're normal people in in with a different with a different crowd now i'm waiting for super duper league of extraordinary like a senshi level league of extraordinary gentlemen and hannibal lecter is just there and he's like i'm gonna be the arm because like, <laughs> 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 well, you know sorry anyway um i also have decided that i'm forever going to refer to idris elba's character from the previous film as x versus sever ballistics <laughs> forever and ever so yeah um honestly sorry i'm just really excited to be back i love these films despite them sometimes i love these films directly because of them sometimes this was one of my least favorite outings even though it had a lot of parts i liked and keva what about you what did you think of f9 he thinks everything I think. Okay, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> You're perfect. Uh, I just don't really know what this brought to the table. I think that uh, F8, Fate, brought so much more closure. And this is just like peeling the onion more until you're getting down to the tiny little nub of almost no onion at the middle. Like, like, like if you're why? still reading The Onion. To what end? Exactly. There are two films left. I We commented early on in the film, it was very nice of them that they didn't try to pretend at all like they needed to build toward the plot. Within the first five minutes, they deliver the majority of what the plot of this film is going to be. And then it's just a lot of really long action sequences and either John Cena or Vin Diesel glaring out of driver's side windows. <laughs> I really want a cumulative running total of how much screen time is those two characters just slowly glaring out of their driver's side window. I bet it would be at least five minutes. 
I don't think I'm joking. There's got to no. be a point where Letty is like tapping him on the arm and she's like, Dom, Dom. We got to go. We got to go. Do do I have and he goes, and he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm looking. Squinting. <laughs> and he just squints a little tighter. And John Cena and that fucking. So there's, you know, John Cena <laughs> has that fucking, like, what is it about John Cena that I love so much? It's that he looked like Scrappy Doo on roids. Yes, you say him. that every fucking time. Oh, All the time. Like, you say like that Scrappy-Doo about John Cena. And He's like a something... sexy version of that Scrappy Doo from the end of the Scooby Doo movie. Yeah, he really is. And he's yeah. got that perfect, like, barrel gut. That yeah, looks like during sex, you. if you punch it, he would just be like, <laughs> oh. you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I never had any opinion on The Rock until I read, uh, this is Circa Scorpion King. He talked a lot about who he is, his personal philosophy. And so, okay, side note, there's this joke from Will and Grace where Grace is like, no, oh my God, no, I no, it. no, I'm going to say it. Buffy's a genius. I'm reading this People magazine article where, you know, it starts out where, you know, she's talking about Hollywood, but then by the end, she's talking about her time in a prisoner of war camp? Grace, you got the pages stuck together again. You read the first half of a of an interview with Sarah Michelle Geller and the second half of an interview with, who was it again? Dick Colin Cheney? Powell. Colin Powell. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> and he, she goes, oh, nope, you're right, there it is. After all these years, limos are still really cool. I actually had a, that moment about The Rock when I was in like ninth or tenth grade. I read this amazing Rolling Stone interview with him where he was just like deceptively candid because something I've come to realize about The Rock is The Rock is a very methodical person. And I don't mean that sinisterly, but like he, much like Captain America, believes it's sort of important to uphold a conceptual ideal for people to respect. So, like, yes. he learned that from his dad. Yeah. It's wrestling. Yeah. He makes the decision to sacrifice exactly who Dwayne Johnson is to have a specific public persona. One of the things he talked about in this article, you know, it's really important that you make time for yourself. You know, one of the things he likes to do once a week is he likes to sit down with a crossword puzzle or something like that. And he talked about how he makes time every week to masturbate, not have sex with someone, but to find time to check in with himself. And yeah, the gym is still a really important part of who he is, but he had to change the way he hits the gym because now he's not a wrestler, he's an actor. And like, it was so pointlessly honest, no PR person uh, like wrote that. A PR person approved it, obviously, but no PR person wrote that for him. It was just who the fuck he is in the right way showcased to this magazine. And I forever became a Dwayne The Rock Johnson fan in that moment. He also then had that super manipulative, you can do anything and be an action star reality show for a year. And that also manipulated me into loving him more. I'm pretty simple. Give me an uplifting story about, you know, a young Latina from Puerto Boy finally making it when I'm, I'm there, you know? That's your story. yeah i'm there for my own movie fuck everyone right i'm just like scarface but with my middle fingers (laughs) right so um i recently read a really similar interview with john cena i'm not saying that i ever i don't think a single person in wrestling is actually stupid those are some of the smartest actors marketing people fitness people those guys understand several art forms far better than any of us do and they do it with an enormous amount of cte so let's consider how fucking smart you must be to be a super successful professional wrestler john cena flat out calls himself a dumbass in this interview 
he's like, man, I made a lot of fucking stupid decisions, didn't I? I picked bad movies, and then every time they didn't open at number one, I ran back to the ring. And how did that make me an actor? I am so lucky that people kept giving me a chance. I, I was out of chances, guys. I made all the wrong decisions. And here I am with Suicide Squad and F9, and I'm the luckiest guy. And I was just like, where's the macho guy? Where's the, I knew I'd be like, where's the Dave Batista of it? Which is, yeah, I hate how egocentric he is. And he's always the victim, right? Not that I hate Dave Batista, but there's something about the way the news media carries him. That is not very attractive. John Cena came barrel chest open and just said, this is what it's like. I was literally the most fucking failed set up big deal. I couldn't stop failing. I'm so lucky and so grateful. And I was just like, God damn, now I'm a John Cena fan for life. It was that easy just to be that humble. I'll be honest, it wasn't his performance in this film that did it for me. He wasn't given a whole lot to work with. He was basically told, be angry. It was kind of like all of the passion of a Christian Bale without any of the nuance of the script that would support the acting. You know, <laughs> It wasn't John Cena. It was the character was flat as shit. It was just like the eighth Toretto we've met. And they can't all be Helen Mirren putting a spin on Shaw. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep talking the most. I, I, just, I had a lot of feelings about this, this movie because I was, I was so excited going into it. I'm now really excited for 10. That's how I'm choosing to look at it. I don't feel 9 failed me. I think this movie was for a lot of people, just not me. And I'm so here for 10. Well, did you guys like it? So now we're on our fourth or fifth watch of this, fourth watch of this already. I liked it a lot, and when we saw it, we saw it in theaters together, which was, like, a big part of it. But I think even still rewatching it, I'm like, this is still really good, because I think it did a lot of fan service. And as much as, like, Kevo was saying, like, oh, they're just peeling away at the onion, I actually think that they put out a lot of feelers and directions of where 10 can go. And when we were talking about it, you know, after we watched it, there's so many other places that it can go that my brain is with you, Nico, like, oh, I'm excited for 10, but in a different reason, they could really go anywhere from here. They kind of, like, restarted, like, the jump-off points, and they left themselves a lot of outs around to, like, go in a bunch of different directions. Now, Joey, how did you feel? I mean, I really liked it, but, I mean, again, we, like, the the point of this episode, as much as any of these episodes have a point, is to hear what you guys think about it, because we've already kind of, I don't want to say we've exhausted our, our takes on it, but, like, We've already talked about it three times, and I am right now this fourth time. I still like it, but I'm getting burnt out. I would when we it's so, do so quick together. I agree. When you. yeah, when ten comes out or whenever the next movie is, because ten was just dated for 2023. If if Hobbs and Shaw two is before that, or if ten is the next one, as we talked about in the intro, uh, we got to spread these out a little bit because like it's it's not far enough apart to have new thoughts. Yep. And I love having the you know getting all of our people that we've watched all the movies with to talk about the things, but like. This movie is not meant to be watched four times in six weeks or whatever we're doing. Like, it's it's crazy mm. how fast we're doing this. Like, what I think benefits this podcast, not only in terms of getting new takes, but, like, when Joe and I have a new take on a thing, it's because we see another movie and we're able to react to a different movie to that movie or whatever. Yes, like, we'll watch Tokyo Drift. Yep after seeing F9 be like, oh my God, I never thought about X, Y, or Z. Because of the conversation we had on 6, I was paying special attention to the time where Han meets Mr. Nobody, and I do think my theory is out the window. I also do want to clarify, we mentioned at one point, either in the F9 or the F6 episode, that Stasiak and Mr. Nobody are together. I don't think they are. There's no indication. He's not mentioned in that scene. So I think they're separate. I don't know why his Aunt Acid is Japanese. But like, I don't have enough 
new thoughts about this to really, you know, carry my weight in a new episode because like it's so close together. And this is, you know, my own my own fault to a certain extent for like scheduling it because I just was so excited to get everybody in here. And you know, again, going back to how I started this, the point of this episode, like I, I don't mind just kind of listening to you guys talk because this is your first time really, you know, get your thoughts out publicly, on air, whatever you want to say. Like, Joe and I have already, like, you know, talked about this enough, and we still have another two times this lap to talk about it, right? So, like, it's going to, we're going to keep going. But I would love to just hear what you guys think, you know, things that you love, things that you didn't like. I'm, I'm excited, like Nico, that you're excited thing? for F10. Yeah, like, just the moments, you know, Han being back, or space, or Mr. Nobody, or anything, yeah. I understand that Fantastic Car Saga is... Essentially, fantastic cars and where to drive them. <laughs> where to oh drive God. them, oh motherfucker! That was okay. really good. So yes, I Thank think you. we can agree that it, it kind of has to have a bit of a sliding time scale. We can't really accept that the first movie was first movie years ago. It it, it just kind of doesn't work because that would involve Dom advancing at such an accelerated rate in terms of their internal timeline. That would make the flashback with Battling Jack Toretto take place 12 years before the first movie. That's the big issue, is that if they made that opening thing 1999 instead of 89, there's no problems. But the fact that they dated it 12 years before the first movie, nothing about this makes sense. Kevo, thank you for bringing that up again. My other thing was they name his dad Jack, and Jack Toretto throws a match so it's just battling jack murdoch it's just and literally at least daredevil's death, dad yeah. so it's just uh... literally daredevil's dad dying in a bad mob hit creating a superhero who is then haunted by figures from his past and has to bring down a global kingpin now i understand where that's going i can't wait next movie to meet stick still same name because now it's just that he drives stick right so <laughs> yes there's so much to that that i thought was super fascinating for me my first reaction was so that's i guess i guess that's his dad so i guess that's his dad that's in the pit crew and then it turned out it was john cena as a kid and you had to convince me otherwise i just i remember us both having a reaction to that because you it wasn't believable age-wise or what yeah it was weird it also had a sense of surreality to it i know i make the joke over and over again that Rush Rush by Paula Abdul is the magical psychic predecessor to this, but in a lot of ways, it feels to me as though Paula Abdul's Rush Rush could have been this, like, this scene felt very 1960s, 1970s, 1980s, 19, like, there was a general NASCAR feel to this sequence. Oh, yeah, it could have been the 50s. Yeah, it, it didn't feel timeless, it felt almost malchronistic yeah Yeah, that's better than making up ambiguous it feels like they set this in 89 for when they have like when dom gets out of prison which i guess we'll put it at like 91 maybe even though there's not a date on screen you know he does a couple years or whatever it's like we want to show the 90s but it doesn't really feel like the it's it's of an era, but also outside of time in a way. Oh, that was something we said, too, was we wonder if this is maybe going to be setting up like Fast Young Furious Dom. prequel franchise. Young yeah. Dom. Young Dom, who, if I if I could introduce myself. No, Young to Jacob. Young, young Jacob I, is I the would hot want, one. I would want to hope they're both uh, secretly young subs, but, you know, we can 
we can work with that where we work with it. Oh, but the dad was so hot. <laughs> oh, the dad was needlessly hot. The dad was just big. Really? Number. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, he was super hot. I have to ask Rachel. She never mentioned it. I've, I need to hear her take on it, too. Every single Toretto is deeply penetrable. Uh, not young dom young dom spoke like like a demon from ghostbusters his voice rattled the bed so like i could let him get away with a lot so once we came back to the present i literally felt like the movie moved too fast it goes fast it moves really quick i agree it goes fast it goes furious it goes and there's a two and a three no it like it it literally One of the things that I love doing is I love like, – Kevo actually is really great about it. Kevo, you make those amazing super cuts of stuff, and you can sort of make a, wow, this is a movie of a season of a TV show. A lot of people like to cut together cutscenes from video games, and they try to yeah. include everything, but you know they leave out the two-second shit, right? But that's because you want to make a good product. You're not worried about completionism. You're worried about narrative sense. One of the things these movies decided they were going to do is if they were going to – up the car chase length, which cool, thanks for doing it. They decided that the minutes had to come from somewhere. Let's take them from character development. Well, I think that by this point, we know the characters. We don't know Jacob as much because, but also to a certain extent, we know Jacob because Jacob is Dom's brother. And we kind of assume to a certain extent, right or wrong, he is Dom, basically. Right? The, 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 yeah. the time that we learn from 1989 and the way that they grew up together and him being banished. I feel like this movie is just like, yeah, you get it. And I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I think that so many of these characters we've seen for six or seven or eight or nine movies or whatever, right? That like, I don't know if it's just they're on autopilot or, you know, auto, uh, what is self-driving autonomous mode in in Tesla speak that like they don't need to, but I think there's not a lot of new characters. Like even the fact that like, Cypher is the big bad again that we still don't know much about her. Like, they're just like, yeah, you don't need to know new things. Like, let's just do, like, action stuff. But, like, I, I've read 745 issues of Daredevil running since 1963. The runs I care about are the ones that do new stuff. I don't want something that reiterates to me the status quo. If I want to know the thing you already did well, I'll go check out the thing you did well, unless the thing you did well doesn't hold up. Well, one thing to that point that Joe has said, and I will keep bringing it up because it's my my favorite idea of how to frame this movie, is that this was Justin Lin's return to the franchise after being away for seven and eight, that they wanted him to do seven. He wanted to do seven, but he was finishing up six. He's like, I want to fun, focus on six. And then he was doing other stuff for eight. So he comes back for nine. And he's going to do 10 and 11. And so Joe had the idea like this is kind of framing things around like him getting the keys in four. Like he did three, but three is Tokyo Drift is essentially not a Fast and Furious movie. I mean, it is, but like it's not the characters that we know. Yeah. And four is just yeah. like reorienting with the movies that we know. And so this is kind of just positioning things for 10 and 11. So I know you said earlier you were excited for 10. Maybe that's because either you actually are excited for 10 or because you didn't like this. But I think the framing of this in terms of like the ones doing it well, I don't want to say it's okay that you take one of 11 in a core thing and be like, yeah, this is the one where we're just like positioning things for the future. But also like it kind of is because like this is, again, sort of angling things toward an end game. He's building the last arc. Yeah. I wish that there was more that happened specifically around Cypher. And I've said this before and I will say it again. 
I'm frustrated because like in eight, I was not satisfied with her character because I'm like, it's unfinished. And then when they showed her in the trailer for nine, I was like, cool. I like eight more because we know that we're getting more of Cypher. And then here they do the same goddamn shit and they don't really expand things. And she's on the run again. And it felt like we were just running in place toward this ultimate end game where either she's the big boss, the big bad, or she's got a boss that either we know or don't know. And it's frustrating that way. So I see where you're coming from. And I think in the long run, this will look back, be looked back, I hope, optimistically, as one that positions us for the end game. But at the same time, 800 whatever issues of Daredevil or however many hundreds of issues of Daredevil, like you might not pick nine as like one to rewatch because it's like, yeah, it's not great on its own, but goddamn did it set up 10 in a good way. I totally respect your opinion. I narratively disagree with the perspective that a $100 million thing can be a setup project. This is people's lives. These are people's livelihoods. Something that does not have a narrative self-cohesive idea is less likely to make money in the long run. That's people's residuals. That's people's that's things that could have been made better for the sake of self-standing stories. I think there's so much that you can't possibly make 10 out of all of the story. You can't possibly close out everything that's still open for the next movie and say that's the end. Like there's, there's too much already. And then they introduced a bunch of new confusing things that changed the past a bunch. But did they though? Because I don't think they really did. I don't think this movie asked many more questions than it answered. I think we're largely in around the same place. But it answered a bunch of questions poorly is the issue. It told me things about Dom that don't make consensual conceptual sense with my understanding of this hot shot underground speed racer international guy. All of a sudden he was a hot-headed pit crew kid in a sort of removed decade that kind of changes my understanding of his actions. So now if we're updating his actions, if we're going to make it a comic book, now we need to update his actions. The fact that Karen Page in 1964 kept telling Matt Murdock, you would be the perfect man if only you weren't blind. She was super ableist to his face. And when we look back on that, we either have to update that material or we have to literally call her out for ableism. Those are your choices. You either rewrite that material and reframe it, you know, whether it's through a retcon or a new miniseries that replaces old stuff, but you address it or you don't get to use it. You don't and get to How does to that relate? Up. I understand that we are not, we were never told one thing Dom didn't do was work on a racing circuit with his dad who exploded in a car. I know we were never told that. My understanding of 2001's Fast and Furious Dom is now irrevocably changed to be a lot more of a pretender and a lot more of a phony. He doesn't read like a super cool street racing guy. He now reads like a down-on-his-luck guy who doesn't know anything better than kind of running with a crew much younger than him. So now he's an old man racing cars against kids. And it kind of reframes a lot of the times he's outraced people and been like, yeah, don't mess with the best. Well, you struck out on an actual racing circuit. That's not really the same thing as you are the best and you, you turn your nose up at professionals. You struck out and almost murdered a guy and are not welcome to even try in an actual professional circuit. It's not that you are better than them. It's that you actually went to prison for almost killing a dude with a wrench. 
and that makes you kind of a dangerous old man who hangs out <laughs> with a lot of hot young kids. And then there's the whole matter of family is family is family for a guy whose family, he's got a lot of enemies from his family past, and he's got a whole lot of bodies in his wake. There's something narratively unseemly about this film that in a lot of ways asks us to sort of replace earlier ideas to head toward a conclusion that while I'm excited for, this is a very modified conclusion. And if I could build on what you are discussing here, I would need to tangent a little bit into something from Marvel that came out this week. Is anybody watching What If? And if not, yep. Yep. you care about spoilers. Okay, cool. We would never want to spoil for anybody. And, you know, the commercials make it clear that this week's episode is what if T'Challa was adopted by Yondu instead of Peter Quill. And yep. I feel like this week's What If episode really recontextualized a lot of the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise and Yondu as a character, where it really makes it apparent that Yondu was just looking to be a father at that point in his life. Mm. And it happened to cross with him interacting with Peter Quill in this universe instead T'Challa is such a good person that he influences and changes Yondu in in a similar way learning about Jacob and the fact that they had been estranged for over 10 years when the franchise begins it really recontextualizes the idea that Dom was looking for a very white looking younger brother figure in his life Ooh, so now that makes me think about stuff like a that car racing too. protege who is yep. somebody who wants to go as uh, far as Dom wants to go that Dom can hold back from the darkness. It really this movie does a lot to answer questions I didn't want answered. And so was Mia, who in this film even specifically says she was more desperate to keep Jacob in their lives. It changes everything we know about the Toretto family in a way that I don't love and I am especially bothered by knowing that we can never see Brian's reaction to all of this. He is an important part of this family and this franchise. So I, 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 I'm sad that we can't see his reaction to these things. And there are other stories you could tell instead that wouldn't require or inspire that sort of sadness that that character has to be missing. See, like, I don't mind. Like, I, I we have not really explored the rewriting of Dom's character in early movies vis-a-vis -vis this and looking, especially the, the amazing point of him looking for a younger white brother is, you know, basically protege. adopting protege yeah. Brian to replace as a cypher, siphon, whatever, cypher, you know, cypher the Charlize character as a, as a Charlize for Jacob. <laughs> Do you like my new bowl cut? I won't emote either way. I think for what we do here specifically, I'd rather have them rewrite everything because then it makes us rethink everything. I think it's more interesting, honestly, if Dom is a poser. I think Dom, like, to the world exudes cool, but him being fragile inside, which I think the movies have kind of shown as time has gone on, and even in the first movie, right? Like, you know, for those 10 seconds I'm free, like, he's he's a man filled with stress and worry, and, he like, he owes the world things, and is, like, he he can't live up to his father's, you know, dreams of him and his stature and whatever. I think Dom is a very fragile man that exudes to the world, 
I'm an alpha male, but he's not. Then you have to reckon it, and the reckoning well, maybe, of it I mean, can't we be the cut scenes every time. Every <laughs> movie should have dealt with this by now. If this is a man suffering from lifelong PTSD from a series of unfortunate car events, and he is choosing well, to live his life by the code that killed his dad. I don't think that was something that the franchise cared about until now. I think for a while they're like, hey, let's make car movies, let's make action movies, let's make heist movies. And then as time goes on, there's really, and we've talked about, we've complained about it here, there's only so many times you can save the world. So these later movies, for better or worse, have become more character-based and family-oriented, yeah. And I think that they're exploring it now because... How do you go bigger? Like, how do you make a bigger movie? They literally went to space to save the world this time. Like, you can't go beyond that. So I think what they're drumming up is internal conflict within characters, interpersonal conflict between characters, and then also just every angle conceivable of, like, family, good versus bad, friend versus foe, welcoming people into the family, justice for Han, all of that, where the... (laughs) final two movies are not necessarily going to be bigger but they're going to be more impactful because of what we're talking about now where they have to reckon with the fact that they're okay with Deckard who tried to kill Han even though apparently he was unsuccessful and I think there's stuff like that where it's it's not the movie that they set out to make in 2001 about this like complicated study of a fragile male ego but I think as time goes on I think it adds new context and nuance. Like, when we watched the deleted scenes for the first movie, we found out that Vince's mother is dying in the hospital. We're like, where the fuck is that? Like, you can't it cut that out. Everything. But like, yeah. It changes everything. It changes everything. And I am 100% on board with them rewriting every goddamn thing in this franchise if it makes it more interesting to talk about because we have penned ourselves into a format where we have to talk about these movies forever and if we're able to constantly rethink, like if we're just set like, yeah, Dom's an alpha male, that's all he's got, like that's not interesting. But I mean, he had so much more before that, before they, for me, there's an acceptable balance of realism and surrealism. As a guy who deigns to live in comic books, there's an acceptable amount of realism and surrealism. And to use the Daredevil example again, something that was really getting me down that kind of pushed me away from Daredevil was the book had become stupidly grimdark. There was no joy. There was no light. And that's just not my shit. And that writer is a very successful guy. I would never take from Charles Sewell his success and his career. But I heard this, a funny writer, like a super funny writer, was taking over. And I love Chip Zardsky. He drew Sex Criminals for its run, which is a brilliant book about two people who, when they have sex, can stop time and they use it to rob banks. I read that. And they say Zardsky is taking over Daredevil. And I'm like, holy shit, it's going to be like a return to Mark Wade. It's going to be light and funny. And from the first issue, it's the grim, darkest version of Daredevil ever. It is the best Daredevil run in... It's up there. It's one of the top three, I'd say. It's because instead of being needlessly grimdark, a night Daredevil is really off his game and is dealing with some serious injuries. He is defending himself against some thugs that he tried to stop and he accidentally uses an iota too much force and the guy dies in the ambulance on the way to the hospital matt is forced to reckon with the fact that he has probably killed other people before but this is the first time he can draw a direct line between the kick and the death this is the first time that he has not just seen it heard it tracked it the ambulance ride the newspaper someone saw him do it daredevil literally murdered someone trying to defend himself having tried to stop these muggers ultimately he turns himself into the police and he actually goes to jail and he is in jail and daredevil 
somebody had to be Daredevil, so Elektra came home and Elektra became Daredevil. And now Elektra is Daredevil. And this had been going on for like six to eight months. The book has won a bunch of Eisner Awards. If I got another run about Daredevil going further into the darkness, that would bore the shit out of me. But I got a run about Daredevil dealing with the psychological trauma. So after he does that, he can't bring himself to go out and police the streets. So instead, he uses his super hearing to hear crimes exactly where they are, call the police, and is acting as a crime radar, phoning into the police as much as he can till it's stretching the police too thin. It doesn't make me go back and reread that Charles Sewell run and go, wow, this pain was worth it. It makes me go... Next time, I'm going to read the Mark Wade run directly into the Charles. No, I'm sorry, directly into the Chip Zardsky run, because I don't need the stuff in between that just bums me out. And I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know that at this point they can generate a psychological profile of an alpha male crumbling under the rigors of a world designed to test his metal because it's not the real world this is literally a world designed to test dom and that's the point of the films i'm not being like oh it didn't get real enough no no no. like that's the point of the films it's a world designed to test this guy right i just don't think we have enough time to delve into the psychology of it without doing it a vague disservice to the point of like then you didn't really have time for this you should have finished it with a fun movie franchise i really hear what both of you are saying when we were talking about this early in the episode when you were discussing the way that you feel like this was a setup film to help lead us into the final two films i really hear what you're saying it really made me think of one of the issues a lot of people had with rise of skywalker from the star wars franchise being that it felt like it was too many movies in one movie because jj abrams didn't have the film space or the time to shift in a direction that he wanted for the climax of the franchise and here we're seeing justin lynn be given that space and breadth and the ability to do a film that that leads into a two-part film finale for this franchise i really hear where nico is coming from where if these projects are this big and have these huge names and they cost several hundred million dollars they really should be more than just kind of filler i don't see it as filler even when it's good filler and even when it is helping set things the way that justin lynn wants for a finale it really feels mostly to me like setting your toys in a place where you want them i I don't know i feel like you could have done more while also accomplishing that goal maybe I, I struggle with how you could do it, though, because it's like this movie's already two and a half hours, like two hours long. It's more of an undertone of setting up than it is overtly setting it up, because you still get a Fast and the Furious movie well, here. You say it's a very long movie, but I, again, I, I made the joke earlier about I would You're love right. the proportion yeah. of how how many minutes is glaring out windows. But genuinely, how much of the films is action sequences versus actual plot and character development? I really would be curious to know what the proportion is because i do think that it leans heavily toward action which means to Mm -hmm. me if you have 143 minutes you do have more room for character and story development okay so let's talk about the the plot moments that we did get what wasn't a foregone conclusion what happened in this movie that i didn't vaguely understand would be the outcome when i was given the plot 
or was a complete retcon of the history in terms of introducing Jacob, changing Dom and Mia's past, Bringing changing back who their father was. Uh, yeah, okay, I'll even, I, I wasn't thinking Han, but yeah, kind of. So, like, Han at least counts for half of that. I, th I think that there's two things at play here. I think, number one, we're living in a world, this is what we've been dancing around and sort of alluding to, we're living in a world where Paul Walker passed away and these franchi this franchise continued. That They discussed whether they should end it right there at seven. And they said, we're going to keep going and do this for Paul. And I think as much as they say nothing changed, I think everything changed. And whether or not they had an end goal in mind when they were writing seven, everything changed. Whether or not they were ever going to introduce, you know, a baby brother to Dom, who knows, right? But like, whatever, whatever the goal was, they got a different place there. I also think all the movies now, all the, the last handful have been introduce one new kind of villainous character mm -hmm. and then have a bunch of action scenes framed around a vague save the world plot yep. that Joe and I joke about this all the time that we don't really care. We can't really explain the plots. We're like, what is it? Like what's Cypher's plan? Like accountability? Like we don't know what that means. Like that's just what all these movies are. And I don't think, you know, I don't think that's a, it's not a good thing. It's definitely not a good thing. But like, I don't think it's a bad thing because like, there's other things that we enjoy about these movies. But I think what this movie specifically set out to do, and I would agree that it doesn't necessarily need the, to 143 minutes to do this, but it brings Han back to you know either personally or professionally or in the franchise right the wrong that Justin Lin felt of them killing Han and then ha welcoming his killer into the family. They write that ship, or they begin to write that ship in the tag in the credits, and they also introduce Jacob, who is now on this tie on this on the team, and then they also you know have Cipher still on the land. So like this movie does two things: filler movie is the wrong thing, but it's connective tissue. And again, it could be better, it should be better, whatever. But I think it's doing these two things, and I think the Han thing specifically is a big deal for fans for fans and for narrative and for closure and for a bunch of different things so but i don't know how i feel about an entire film or not the entire film but a huge portion of this film's purpose being to correct that wrong well because it also doesn't do that Right, like that. You don't get justice for Han in this movie. Right, the goal, and I think Kevo, like you're, you're spot on. The, the the tagline for this movie is justice is coming. Like Han is here. They they spoiled that in the trailer. Han's back in the trailer, and he only shows up like halfway into this movie, right? But the whole time you're like, okay, cool. They're going to get vengeance on Deckard, who, as far as we understand, is not in this movie. And then he shows up in the credits, and then Han goes presumably to kick his ass. But who knows? Oh, but, but, but I misunderstood then. I think because I never believed for a moment that justice for Han was an internal statement I always understood that justice for Han yeah, was a call for uh, like I mean, it, I mean I'm not trying to be silly but it was a call for proper representation of Asian characters who spawned no. story. No, that's, I mean, that makes sense, but that's not what it right. was. No, the Justice for Han movement, and movement is a very strong word, and that's why people like, like, oh my god, Justice for Giselle. It's like, no, you're missing the point. Justice for Han, everyone's favorite character, like, I would say 40% of people's favorite character is Han. Like, people just fucking love Han, for, yeah. for obvious reasons, right? The Justice for Han thing idea is that they have a character that they love, in a movie that Justin Lin does not make, Fate of the Furious, after he has created the character with Sung Kang in Better Luck Tomorrow, welcomed him into the franchise, 
the character who ostensibly kills this character, this fan favorite, does one favor for Dom, and Dom's like, yeah, you're invited to my barbecue. Like, you did a good thing. We're family now. And that's what Justice for Han is. It's like, how can you willingly open your arms to Deckard, who killed a family member? Like, you're prioritizing family over family. And that's Justice for Han. Then let's take a step back, and then let's even reinterpret it, because then you're still erasing a character created by an Asian man. I understand that you want to be like, well, no, no, because it, in the, this franchise doesn't care about it. But the studio wouldn't give a shit because they know they've got you hooked. I don't mean that like rudely, but when people are like, uh, John Hickman just left the X-Men, everyone's going to quit. Mm, no, you're all lifers. You're all going to come back. It's yeah. a cycle thing. It's what you do. Franchises are emblazoned on us, and that's how franchises are able to come back. So I even understand if we want to strip out the cultural relevance of Justice for Han, but there is an actual sense of, no, you just shit on a character with this new movie, which is actually what I'm saying is my problem with F9. It's kind of like Justice for Dom, who was just completely stripped of his mystery and uniqueness. When we found out that Wolverine was actually a little French noble boy, living in Canada in 1906, but was actually (laughs) the cuck child of the bull that was the caretaker. And he discovered his powers as a little kid and killed some people and then just ran through the wilderness forever. When we found out that was Wolverine's origin, instantly we didn't like Wolverine anymore. Batman, we always knew his parents were killed at the theater. Wolverine, we never knew his origin. In order to fix this, they added more fake origin to Wolverine. We discovered there was 10 years we never even knew about. I feel like they just told me Dom was a little French noble boy. And a lot of his mystery is now, oh, he's just a burnout trying to ape his dad. But the twist here is that the the man most responsible for giving that character agency and life and whatever is the one calling the shots now. That along with Justin Lin... Vin Diesel is the one, and Neil Moore, it's the producer, he's the one pulling the strings. So this is where he wants to take the character. So, like, I understand the parallel there, but it's like whoever, Stanley or Jack Kirby or whoever created, or, you know, I don't know, whoever created Wolverine was just also like, hey, yeah, like, let's do this. Like, Well, the person who created Wolverine wanted Wolverine to be a mutated Wolverine, and he was told, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Then later on, he tried to be like, Spider-Woman is a mutated spider, and he was told, fuck, that's worse, no. Just because you had the character in your hands doesn't necessarily mean your vision is complete. I do also need to mention that there's a thing, uh, author blindness, because you know the character so well, there's things you take for granted the other people don't know. The audience doesn't know all of Dom's motivations the way Vin Diesel does. So Mm. to Vin Diesel, this is a satisfying story. To me... This just made him seem so weird in retrospect. He just seems weird now. He seems much less cool, much more, why are you hanging with these people? There's something weird about you. I also really want to point out, if we're talking about the changing of hands between creatives in terms of the directors and Justin Lin not having been responsible for Fate of the Furious, etc., screenwriter Chris Morgan was on the films from Tokyo Drift through to Mm -hmm. fate of the furious so in terms of creatives he at the very least was partially responsible for the killer of the character of han sitting down at that barbecue as well but also he's not on this one right yeah and And he's split because he went to hobbs and shaw and wrote hobbs and shaw 
and then Justin Lin came back to like retake over the main franchise. The strange position we find ourselves with this movie is this is the first movie that's come out with the end with the finish line insight that before nine came out no we had no idea how many more we were assuming it was nearing the end but before nine comes out they're like we're doing 10 and 11 or two more like 10 1 and 10 2 or whatever it's final fantasies up in this piece yes it's framing exactly it's framing the story in this as part of like a trilogy or an arc or whatever as opposed to just like this ongoing saga where like ostensibly any of these could be the final movie even though the villain gets away like it's not going to be but like it could be but this we're like we're explicitly told no, this is not the end. There might there not be a There will be an end. And I think that it sucks in terms of the modern... We, what you were saying before, it sucks that, like, everything is kind of the MCU-ish where, like, it can be its own thing, but it also has to set up the next thing and also reference the back thing and whatever. And, like, it's all of that, right? But And Star Wars, too. We've talked a lot about the movie I didn't like. If, if it's cool, I thought that there was this super non-toxic alpha male character that represented a lot of bygone ideals in a zeitgeisty way that was sort of like the Fonz in the 70s still being cool. This guy was, you know, bumping some Aphex theory, driving down Miami in a purple car, and that was 1995 to me. And, like, I loved this. I find just that, you know, the, the changes just don't jibe with my understanding. Now he's a little bit more listens to Warrant and drinks Pabst, and that's perhaps not my vision of the character. And I hope it doesn't seem like I was shitting on your guys' either love of the movie or love of the no, character. No, 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 no. Because no, there's not certainly at all. nothing wrong. And I, that's why I even started this whole thing with, this just was not the movie for me. But I could not get enough Mia this movie. This was <laughs> Mia's movie, top, bottom, and verse queen in between. This movie was such a time for Mia to shine. I thought that there were sacrifices I made of Letty in order to allow the progression of other people's story. Because it wasn't all men getting more story. It was also new characters like Ramsey, who is spectacular. So, you know, there's a trade, an L here, you know, spectacular. But one of the things this movie did was I out loud said, just to compare to Marvel for one more second, the A-Force moment can go and fuck itself because this movie has an A-Force third. This movie literally has women with as much action, as much agency. And like, I, I really like Letty. I don't love Michelle Rodriguez, but Letty gets me in the heart, you know, like specifically gets me in the fucking feels. And she'd made a lot of comments that I might have. I might have set my Google alert to remind me about Fast and Furious, whatever. I was reading this article where she was talking about how she swears this movie will actually have Letty in the role Letty was always meant to have, like action star. They didn't pull any punches for this one. And I was like, aw, maybe her car will get eyelashes. And like, (laughs) I just could not imagine a movie studio delivering on the quality of promise Michelle Rodriguez had made. It seemed impossible. Those are all my favorite scenes. Oh, other than two black men, the minute they got into space and Ludacris put on what was easily the best performance in his face in history, I was like, wow, this is moving because this is two black men who never thought they would be anything and there's only like a one in a hundred million chance you're going to be an astronaut. And these two black men got to do it by virtue of what they love. I like kind of started to cry, actually. Like, I loved two thirds of this movie and we just <laughs> talked for an hour about the third I didn't! I, I really loved two-thirds of this movie. I genuinely loved the the Charlie's Angels save Bosley because then when Han... Oh, he looks so good. 
I mean, he kind of looks like he got run over by a tire, which is fine. He's beat up the whole movie. They finally let him be his age. Oh my god, he's 49? He looks great. That's what I'm saying! He looks amazing! Oh, 49? Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, he looks fucking yeah. gorgeous. Gorgeous. Fucking gorgeous. And I, I, I would have said, like, 44, but 49? No. He plays the character with such... There's, I don't believe this is him as a person. I don't for one moment. But he plays the character with such a disarming ease. He steps into a scene and suddenly Han has that much personality. There's something dynamic about the performance that sort of transcends the the confines of the genre and the, the sort of film that it is. It's kind of Captain Jack Sparrowy in terms of how much presence he has. It's just that Captain Jack Sparrow is the name in that film, so he's a household name. Whereas Han is sort of, he's sort of more of a thinker in that way. He's kind of a background character that steals the show by virtue of acting competence among plenty of other competent actors. You know, any shots I make at the, at the execution of things is usually that script directing and acting didn't all come together. None of these are horrible actors in the least. Even John Cena gave a much better performance than I expected, given the role I knew he was going to play. I don't know. I really loved the two-thirds of this movie that were protected classes kick ass. That was, it was just like hidden figures all up. It was just like (laughs) 10,000 points because I never thought Ludacris would give an acting performance that actually moved me, moved me. Because like, you know, plenty of people are funny. Channing Tatum in uh, 21 Jump Street is pissed my pants while hard funny because he's so funny and he's so sexy. It's it's so great, right? But I don't think, other than perhaps this is the end, Channing Tatum is ever going to give a performance where I walk away going, I am changed, right? <laughs> I think, he, yeah, I, I developed a much intenser Dom relationship with big dudes after that. It got weird. Um, but the look of how the fuck did I do this on his face playing out against his belief that they are destined to help people. Oh my God. That was just so good. And like so much better than the guy that did the closing verse on gossip folks that I ever thought roll out, (laughs) roll out did that. You guys roll out did that to me. He has to be thinking about this, but, but like in his real life too, right? Like maybe exactly. he's just sitting there in that exactly. moment and it just comes through that like he's like, dude, I never thought that I would be in a movie that would be making a billion dollars going to space. What a bigger action star he is than LL Cool J ever was. And LL Cool J can bench press the rock. So like, fuck, LL Cool J can bench press the rock's net worth. So like... If, you know, this rapper turned actor, this skinny little black dude, just just this this guy who no one, he could rap, no one lifted a hand. So he went about his business and devised a plan. He made a CD and he hit the block. 50,000 sold, $7 a pop. So I'm going to stop, but it's (laughs) important. No one knows what you're doing. Do you guys have any other thoughts about F9? Or do you want to play a game? (laughs) No, I have a few more thoughts about F9. I haven't even, I have, I have not even begun to thought. No, I'm, I'm pretty far in. That movie, that movie. Okay, so then the other movie that I want to talk about for a moment is the Roman Tej Ramsey movie, which had its own set of side characters. Number one, Cardi B. Cardi B. 
delicious. I loved her appearance. I don't give a shit. I am obsessed with her now. She won me over. I and she's coming she's back, so by the way. Funny. Good. You didn't know she's coming back. And like, uh, just don't bring back Punchy Punch Woman, Ronda Rousey, or whatever. Uh, the other thing I loved was the we're going to borrow the Ant-Man cast storyline where was that Bow Wow? Am I losing my mind? Was that Bow Wow? Yeah, it was. Yeah, he's back. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. So um, I loved that. All three little... of them are from three. Yeah. I loved that that storyline. They all looked a little older. We seem to be very protective of Dom always looking good for his age because Vin Diesel is showing, you know, 48 year. What is he? 50 now? 50 something? 54. 54 year old wear. I was gonna say he's 48, but that's just how good he looks, right? He's showing wear, but he's showing wear for a fucking mega muscled celebrity super actor who's, you know, probably been on a very tight regimen, keeping himself healthy, putting all the right stuff in his body. You know, it's a hard job. We're so protective of Dom staying young that we recast him. We didn't do any Robert Downey Jr. at the beginning of Iron, at the beginning of Captain America and the uh, the and the the Captain America and the Civil War Punch Punch movie. We didn't do that age regression thing. We didn't pull a Tron legacy, right? We just recast because Dom has to be young. It has to be the case. Dom cannot ever seem quite off. But these guys were allowed to get older, and I actually really thought that was charming. And I do believe that the three crew plus sort of like Black Nerd Excellence crew, that six-character ensemble, I would watch their TV show, I would watch their movies, I would watch their Netflix, <laughs> whatever. I'd. That's a crew I would want to watch, certainly more than the Spy Racer crew. Um, although, when we get to it, guys, the song from this season of Spy Racers is the greatest gift Spies. Really, it's, it is. I haven't it watched is, yet. It is, it, is, yes. it is. It is everything to me. And there's actually a bunch of really cool stuff from last season paying off this season. It's certainly my most kind of having trouble staying focused on it season. But there's a lot of cool promise and a lot better usage of their very large cast. Do I have any other thoughts on F9? Uh, the space scene was great. The cookout at the end, I thought they were doing ghosts. Um, Kevo brought up something that made me nearly cry till I died, guys. Guys, Kevo made an astute observation about little Brian's clothing. Oh my god, he only has one outfit the whole movie, doesn't he? He's oh. definitely wearing the same outfit in uh, like the beginning and the Dom's end and the weird dream sequence. dementia in his weird dementia dream and at the end of the racetrack. It's the same outfit for sure. Yeah. He's just wearing the same thing that is is it just like he has a bunch of flannel shirts that all look very similar? Because like I remember that, but it could be the exact same outfit. And just that one pair of overalls. But honestly, on the whole, if you ask me to score the movie, I'd give it a C plus for movie 11 in a franchise or 10, whatever the fuck it is. Nine. It's in the fucking title. No, no. But I'm counting that other movie. The, the, Hobbs and the Shaw, one where, yeah, yeah, I was going to say <laughs> the Maori war dance movie for the 10th installment. A C plus is kind of really, it's, it's a phenomenal score. All things considered about how much of the movie by the 10th film going to be recycled. That's fair, yeah. Okay, let's play some games. Fuck me. Well, I mean, first, Kevo, do you have any other thoughts? <laughs> okay. You know, your husband and podcast partner and the other guy as a guest on the show, Kevo, do you have thoughts about this movie? You know, I feel like this one went full cartoon, and I wonder if maybe that's even in part to set up how bombastic they might make the final two films. Joe, any other thoughts? Any, anything new you caught this time? Why is Dom using Dash GPS 
in a new Charger in the beginning of the movie when they're going through the minefields, when the car has like a touchscreen display in the dash, he like put a TomTom GPS on top of his thing. And I was just like, I can't tell if that's them like making him do an old, like a boomer thing or what, but it was weird. It was the first time I noticed it. Oh, um, when they're doing the whole like superhero thing, this was like, you know, I'm watching it at home and he's like talking. Tyrese is like, are we invincible? Like we can't be beat. In that moment, the clock on the wall just reads 1111. And I was like, who thought that that was funny? Because somebody definitely set the clock to 1111 in that shot. Oh, I saw that in the first time in theaters. And you know what I thought? 1111, one plus one, two, two, two fast, two forever. I thought that was a shot at us. <laughs> I genuinely thought that in the theater the first time we saw that. I'm just like, this is not, I'm not going to bring this up. There's nothing else it can be. There is something very important that I just discovered. Not only will the director's cut include seven more minutes of footage, but specifically- You got the number? It will be seven more minutes of footage for the director's cut. And one of the scenes is a handpicked scene uh, that further explores Cardi B's character. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Interesting. I like it. There's also going to be a featurette called Justice for Han that has no information about it on the DVD. According to Collider, the director's cut will feature seven minutes of new footage. It will include a deep and sibling rivalry between Dom and Jacob, more of Dom's evolution as a father, a never-before-seen flashback featuring some of the franchise's most beloved characters, extended sequences featuring Tej and Roman, an additional Cardi B appearance, and an expanded action climax featuring the infamous Armadillo Tank. Interesting. We've been waiting. I'm glad you found that. We've been waiting because we've been trying to figure out how many extra minutes, and nobody's, like... There was no definitive answer, so you're the, the first to report on that. Thank you. Yeah, this is on Collider, but yeah, that's interesting because I, I looked on Blu-ray.com because we saw it. We've known there's a director's cut for a while, but this is news to us. That's good. So we correct the top of the show, which was incomplete, but now complete. So thank, thank you. you. Yeah. One thing that I saw is that on the postcard that Han sends Dom, when he flips it over, it's almost cut off at the bottom of the screen, but there is a little bit of an address. And it says 1327, and then the the handwriting is a little sloppy. So, come on, come on, get it better. Adelalia, or maybe, it it looks like a typo to Adelaide when you Google it, but Adelalia Road, A-D-E-L-A-I-L-I-A Road 90026, which is a Los Angeles zip code. That address is not on Google Maps, but also might be a spelling issue, I don't know. But that was the one thing I was just like, ooh, we know it's 1327, but... Adelalia? Yeah, because we know where the house is, but it's obviously not 1327, so you almost got their actual in-movie in, in movie yes. address. And Han does not write Los Angeles, California, USA, just writes 90026, and then it's cut off, but like he just skips the city altogether. So Yeah, fuck know, it. Knows. He knows where it's going. All right, you guys want to play this Ain't No 10 Second Race, a.k.a. Boy, Do We Have a Podcast for You? Yes. Yeah. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Come and check out our show. Yeah, yeah. So this is where we go on Twitter.com, a.k.a. the Bird app. Find the tweet, so on and so forth. We all know the drill by now. So let's review while you look for last – You look while you look for your tweets and send them to me on Facebook. I'm going to look at last episode we played with Dan Scully on the Fast and Furious 6 episode. I found Katie McDonald at KatieShea97. I'm going to say right now. It's all swing and miss. There's no points once again because, of course, there's not. Yeah. My internalized misogyny surfaces in the way that I love the Fast and Furious movies like nothing else. We said, we're right there with you. We can't wait for Letty to lead her own movie. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Mm. Joe, you found Eric at Eric Tate. Yes, I'm a cinephile, and yes, I love the Fast and Furious franchise. We exist, and it's him quote-tweeting Gumby screens and Gumby racing in a car. After we did this one, I followed Gumby screens, and I quote-tweeted another Gumby. I just think it's a 
cool, funny account. I'm not yes. particularly fond of Gumby. Yeah. But there was, you know, them on a date, like, looked like cha-cha-cha, and so I did that. And we said, there's literally dozens of us. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. Mm. And then Dan found, oh, interesting. Did he go private or did he, he went private. So he found, we found Noble oh, at Mr. C.A. Thomas. And I don't I know what like he said. I feel like he literally chased this guy off the internet. <laughs> it's not done the first that time and it won't be the last time. Yeah, we've done that before. I found one. I'll read mine if, we, if, we're, if, if we're not ready. I'm ready. I'm getting mine now. Go ahead. I'm, I'm like still I'm searching. I found chocolate sauce at Zero Reacts. Vin Diesel saying the movies and then greater sign greater sign greater sign greater sign greater yeah that's it because i looked in his profile and his profile's bio is chocolate ain't never hurt nobody i love fast and furious movies hashtag Black i think that's that snl sketch where beck bennett played vin diesel yep i love that oh by the way when we went to go see um old um m night Shyamalan does like a little bit of his own version of the movies before oh, yeah. old. <laughs> that was the first time that I noticed that M. Night Shyamalan is in his own movies because seeing him before the movie and then Wait, seeing him... you didn't know that? No, absolutely not. I know that you were going to come for me for saying that, but I did not know it until I saw him and I was like, oh, that's fucking M. Night Shyamalan. Only oh, my because man. I he's, just... he's like Tarantino. He's like, I let know. me just put myself in bigger and bigger roles in each movie. And this one, he's in not like a major role, but a pretty big role. Yeah, yeah. He plays he plays a significant role as like a background character in this movie. Yeah. I mean, nothing will ever beat his role in Lady in the Water, where he played a guy who was destined to write the most important book in history. Like, that's about as much hubris as you can get. <laughs> There is, and I don't think I've said this on here. I think I was just talking about it with other people. Maybe Bob, my co-host on How to Win the Lottery. But there was a book about the making of that movie called The Man Who Heard Voices. Because he was coming off three big movies in The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable and Signs. And they were going to make this movie. This was sort of like his, you know, kind of going weird. And it's just this journalist, like, on set chronicling how everything had all the potential in the world and it all came crashing down very hard. So if you want even more behind the scenes of maybe why he thought it was a good idea for him to write the most, the world's most important book or whatever, The Man Who Heard Voices Ah. is a really good book about the making of Lady in the Water. All right, Joe, you found yours. Please hit us with it. Oh, I also said, I said to to Chocolate Sauce, I said, it, like everything Vin, Vin Diesel does, is perfect. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Sent. So go ahead. Um, this one was kind of inspired by um, Nico's talk today. Um, it's from Ayo Des at Ayo Des underscore TMG. He said, I finally watched F9 and boy, crying emoji, crying emoji. My killers reach space. Laughing, crying emoji, laughing, crying emoji, laughing, crying emoji. <laughs> we love that scene just as much as you. And boy, do we have a podcast for you. Or something along those lines. So now... Nico shared three tweets. We got a Nico, we got a Kevin, we got a bonus. Oh yeah, they always sneak an extra one in on us. I forgot about but that. Listen, I the love bonus it. is just I love really it. good. The bonus I love is it. just really good. But here's the thing. Uh, it's inappropriate to use for points, and I don't think we should write on it. But that's really your call. And I, I picked the one for me because I agreed with it. Dick Warlock and the Punchable Face, hey buddy, I get it, says... Went to see F9 at the theater and spent an hour preparing to disconnect with the franchise altogether. Vin Diesel's character has become so dour, so self-serious, not fun. Then they sent Tyrese and Ludacris into space, and I'm 100% back in. Can't wait for F10. 
literally word for word my review. So I'm all about that. <laughs> so what do you want to say? How do you want to respond to this tweet? Boy, have we got a podcast for you. This one particular guy who feels this particular exact same way as you, if you're into Buddy. that kind of shit. Like 180 characters. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. This one particular guy who feels this particular way as you, feels the same particular way as you, if you're into that. Yes. That's amazing. And Dick's going to be like, uh, what? Well, so then I picked a much more normal one for Kevo. Francois Stinson says, F9, I'm giving it a hard seven. Good night. And, you know, I, I want to make a joke here. I'm going to leave it out, but... You can make a joke. I mean, I don't know if I'll tweet it out, but I mean, I, we all know the joke you want to make. So what, what are we going to say on Twitter, though? No, just, you know, boy, have we got a hard podcast for shit. I don't know. Boy, have we got a hard podcast for you. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Boy, do we have a parentheses hard. I'm putting parentheticals in all of your tweets now because they're all just qual- qualifiers of the tweet we send. So, yeah, go ahead. Agreed. Okay. Catherine Hamann tweeted in the best possible way. My nine-year-old just renamed the Fast and Furious franchise Impossible Cars, as in we showed him the F9 preview, and he said, so this is just Impossible Cars? Followed by, can we watch Captain Underpants? Why do I feel like a failure somehow? Boy, might have we have a podcast for you, but not for your kid. I do like that you continue the streak of parentheticals. All three of the tweets that we sent as you know, from you guys, all at parentheticals. So it's all perfect. It's all, it all works out wonderfully. I feel like you can put the, it all works out wonderfully in parenthesis and you'd be fine. Oh, Dick Warlock already liked your tweet, Nico. So you got at least one point. We will, we, we will do the, we'll do the full recap next episode, whatever. I am full genuine right now. Pony? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm riding it right now. I'm, I'm in a good place, man. I just fucking bossed it. Well, speaking of bossing things, what do you guys want to plug? What do you want? To, what do you got going on? You haven't been on in a while. What's new in the world of X and HTML? HTML has been doing some amazing videos because of Kevo's excellent work. Thanks. We have an amazing video channel over on YouTube, X is for Podcast, where you can get an exclusive content. And a lot of the content that's the same features that are from the episode are unedited so that they can be as long as we want and have a lot more amazing content, right? And the show is still coming out twice a week, every week, but the show has expanded its narrative perspective. We are now X's for Podcast, Mutants, Magic, and Marvels, where we bring you pretty much everything Marvel each month. We are currently covering 34 monthly titles. We are doing uh, the good Lord's work, if, you know, by the good Lord, you mean the X office. That's what we're doing, and uh, we're killing it. HTML is uh, throwing its videos up over on X's for Podcasts YouTube, and everybody's having a good time. And speaking of having a good time, we will keep the good time going. Next episode will be with these same two gentlemen talking about Fast and Furious, Spy Racers, South Pacific, another season of Spy Racers. So we're going to keep this going in i think three days as this comes out so stay tuned for that for lots of talk about cartoons and probably yoka i would assume guys i don't know oh, TBD. Man. and tyler posey being adorable yeah this is absolutely t-po's best season tony toretta was finally at the forefront of the show once again no not what i said oh okay 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Guys, we've interesting. made so I've made so many spy racers never ends jokes. So I'm um, just get mentally prepared for those. I will say it is a a season where there is a lot more divvying up the cast than previous seasons. It's not just one person here, one person there. It's a very different play out. Interesting. Okay. Well, that is our next episode, but then our full next full episode, one week from today, is a patron pick. Haley Gerbys has us picking a movie that I have never seen, I'd never even heard of before she picked. I think it's about motorcycles, I think. Maybe, maybe not. The World's Fastest Indian coming at you next Tuesday. So we got Spy Racer South oh, Pacific cool. this Friday, probably, and then the World's Fastest Indian in one week. So thank you to Haley for supporting us on Patreon and for picking that movie. But Nico Kevo, thank you, thank you, thank you glad to have for you back, joining guys. us once yeah. again on the show. And we You're can't welcome. wait to do it twice again next week. Of course. For all things Too Fast Too Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash too fast too forever or at too fast too forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page. Pick movies for us to watch like Haley's going to do for next week mm-hmm. at too fast too forever.com. Check out our store too fast too forever dot shop listen 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 we got closing in on 200 episodes oh we're getting close That's this right. nonsense yeah. Woo! So, plenty of episodes we got like 15 or maybe more i don't know we have a lot with nico and kevo because we did everything we could possibly do we did like three seasons of spire five seasons now we did the video game yep. we did every movie I'm with them so if you like round. them i'm literally i'm legitimately good to do a second lap kevo's probably like I'm good, but I, I'm, <laughs> I think I think also I'm good, but also <laughs> thank you. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too, and that was Kevo Reese and Nico Vasello of Husbands Talking More or Less. Who we'll aren't doing a second lap? <laughs> I right, guess. Calm down, bitch. Calm when down. We, calm down. When we see you.